What a blessing. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, John Davidson, thank you on that song about the Lord's return. He shared with me a little bit of his story this morning that I didn't know. John Davidson, the one who was singing that song. When he was a kid, he went on a, on a uh, tennis tournament trip, travel trip, and his roommate, his, one of his teammates, warned him that he may not make it, that, that he, the, the teammate, might not be there when he wakes up because the rapture might happen. That is so cool. We ought to warn, we ought to let people know. When we're doing something, we may not make it through this whole thing. Because the Lord's coming back. And he's taking me with him. And what an opportunity to share why, how we know that. How we can be so sure that we would be taken. Are we that, are we that good? We think, our, we think so highly of ourselves that we would be taken and, and somebody else left? No, we think so highly of Jesus and what he's done for us and the promise that he's made for each one of us who put our trust in him. And I, and I would just want to encourage you, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ yet, do it this morning. It, it doesn't take a, a production it just takes you simply saying yes, Jesus. Even as we said this morning in that first song, this morning, say yes, Jesus. I believe that what you did on the cross was for me. I need you to forgive me of my sins. Please come in my life. Take my sins away and, and give me the gift that you've promised of eternal life. And he will do that for every single person who calls on him. Every single person who recognizes their sinfulness and, and recognizes that your sinfulness isn't too much for him. That's why he died for every one of our sins. Not, not just what we think of as the, as the sort of the lighter ones. There aren't any lighter ones. They're all against God. They're all an offense to God. All of our sins are ugly and gross. And he died on the cross in an ugly and gross way so that we could be forgiven. And that's for every single person who believes. Everyone who calls on his name will be saved. And what a blessing. Praise God that we've had the opportunity this morning to lift him up in praise for what he's done. And we're going to continue that as we look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. As I finish this, this short series that I've been doing the last few weeks, um, from Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, here in the middle of his second letter to them, he says this, There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints. Now, he didn't need to write to them about it, but I need to tell you what he's talking about. He was raising money for people back in Jerusalem, in Judea, where there was a terrible famine. Everybody in the whole area and I'm talking large Mediterranean area, was suffering a famine, but especially in Israel, in, in Judea. It was the worst there. And so even though the Corinthians were going through some famine of their own, he was still raising money from all the churches to, to send back to Jerusalem where they were really going through it. So that's what he's talking about, this service uh, to the saints. That's what he's speaking of. He says, for I know your eagerness to help. And I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm 
has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow. But that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For, in any, for if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Excuse me. Should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, turn back one, back to chapter 8 for just one more verse as he's also talking about the same subject here. He says this, well, I'll I'll do two verses here from verse 8. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And then this verse, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. One more time, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. I was so excited earlier this month when we had the opportunity uh, t- to host one of our missionaries, uh, Marshall Lewis. And then I got COVID and I couldn't be here for it. It was very disappointing. But it wasn't disappointing in the sense that Mark, our youth and missions pastor, was able to take this passage, part of what I've just read this morning, and remind us, as, as I was so excited to remind us, that we have this, this great privilege, like the Corinthians did in helping the, the, the folks, the Christians in Judea, that we, like them, have this great privilege to give every Sunday or every week. Again, we don't do it so much every Sunday anymore because we're changing our 
hygiene habits and all that kind of thing, but we're still giving. And we still celebrate it on Sunday mornings as we just did as Bill Thompson led us in prayer, you know, over that this morning, you know, over those gifts, even though we didn't give them physically right this minute, although we may be dropping them in the, in the basket or the, in the uh, boxes in the front and back and giving them online and all those different kinds of ways. We celebrate this and we started this church with this principle in mind that we would never be just about ourselves in this church, Midway Community Church, but we would also be about God's people around the world and those who don't know him yet. That we would always be able to to use what God brings us and share it with others. And that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to encourage the Corinthians to do. And and this morning, I'm not trying to to encourage you, and I I haven't been in this this whole three-part series, I haven't been trying to um, to, to get you ready for, for a special offering. I, I want to remind you why we give special offerings every single Sunday. Why, why we give all the time. Why it's such a part of who we are. Not, as we saw last week, not that we're looking for a gift to, to meet the needs of Midway Community Church, although that is an important part of what happens when, when we give here at Midway Community Church. But also, so that we can be doing something even more important than just meeting that particular physical need. And as Mark mentioned a couple of weeks ago, one of the, one of the tremendous reasons that we give is that as we give, as we share these gifts, other people around the world are going to be giving God praise for supplying through our generosity. That's an important reason that we give. So that more people will be giving him praise all around this world. For, for example, I'll use Marshall Lewis as, as a, an example of this. As you remember, he and his wife, and they, they serve up in northern Ontario, way up beyond where anybody normally wants to live. Okay? And, and we understand that now in 20-degree in weather. All right? Put a negative in front of that 20, you know, and plus some, and, and that's where they are. Tough, tough place. But there are people living up there who need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we support the Lewises, and we do that because of Emily Campbell, who's a friend of, of uh, what's her name, of, G- of G- Jill Ray, friend of Jill Ray Lewis, and that got us connected with them so that we have, we have a personal connection with these two that are up there doing this. As they're doing that, People are going to come to faith in Christ through their ministry. And those people are going to thank the Lord and praise the Lord for people they don't even know down in Georgia for being generous with their money, for even being sacrificial with their money to help them find out what's so important about Jesus. That's going on all around the world as people like us give. And then last week we talked about the motivation that the Lord Jesus gave us, as did the Apostle Paul, in talking about our giving impacting our rewards in heaven as individuals. There, there's coming a day when we're going to enter into glory and we're going to find out the great things that happen because of the giving that we've done. And the Lord Jesus is going to be blessed and praised to give us rewards for doing these things. And that's going to be a great moment. But this morning... I want us to look at this example 
that the Apostle Paul paints of the Lord Jesus Christ as the supreme giver. And to understand this, that we give because God, as he made his promise, God is conforming us to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that that's what God is doing in your life every day? Through the good times, the bad times, through the relationships, the good relationships, the bad relationships, the difficult things, through the riches, through the, through the, the difficult days, all the different things, the health and the, and the sickness, that God is making, he's made this promise. In Philippians chapter 1, he says that he who started this work and you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what he's doing. He's conforming us to the image of his son. And you know what the image of Jesus is? He is a giver. He, above everybody else, is a giver. And to be conformed to his image means that we also are givers. Look at the degree to which the Lord Jesus gave in this wonderful passage. Look at verse 9 again in 2 Corinthians 8. For you know, and I hope you know this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, when we think of grace, we're thinking about gift. We're thinking about something that was purchased by somebody else and given freely to us. In this case, Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, and we talked about this at Christmas time, that's a great time to talk about it. Though he was rich, How rich was he? Our creator, how rich is he? Living from eternity past in the glory of God, the beauty of the heavenlies. He was as rich as rich can be. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, He became poor. How poor? Again, we think about this at Christmas time. We had a manger set up right over there as a reminder. That's how poor. As I was sharing with the kids, none of us know anybody else who was born in a barn. None of us. Now, I'm saying that fairly confidently. I know... I know people are, are still born in barns, but not very often. It didn't happen that often then either. What a picture of not having a whole lot. What a picture of poverty. And he came into this world from the riches of glory. He came into, the, into this world in a very poor way. And he continues describing this. That though he is rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, 
That's the degree of his poorness. You through his poverty might become rich. Now we think, I, 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 this is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. A lot of you know that because I talk about it a lot. We need to think about that a lot. Just about concerning our standing before him and, and, and standing with him. This is the verse, that, one of the verses that gives us so much confidence to be singing about his coming back, longing for that, looking forward to that. Why would we sinful people look forward to that? Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the way he gave. That's why we look forward to that, because he took care of what we needed him to take care of so that we could be forgiven of our sins. So that we could have the hope, the guarantee, the promise, the absolute certainty that we're going to be with him forever. That is a great thing that is secured for us, not by coming to church, not by learning Bible verses, not by giving, but by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is all secured for us because of his grace. But in doing so, he also set for us an example in many ways, an example in suffering, but also a great example in giving, sacrificial giving. Sacrificial in the sense that it costs us something. We give sacrificially because the one whose image that we're being conformed into is a sacrificial giver. He did so even to the degree of changing his status. He gave so much that he went from rich to poor. That's the image of Christ. That's the degree to which we give. That it would would even change our status. It would cost us something. Not not something that that we would brag about. And I want to tell you, Midway Community Church family, I am proud in the right kind of way as a pastor of the lack of bragging and boasting that goes on here in any, in any way. But this morning, I'm thinking in terms of financial giving. I am so thankful for this body in the way that you give according to the scripture that you don't brag about how much you give. So thankful for that. I remember in the first church that I served in as a you know, a pastor, as a youth pastor. I'd done, we had done an event with the youth, and, and I thought it was really, really cool. And the youth thought it was really, really cool. But this one guy in our church did not think it was really, really cool. Because we were, we were doing a, a, a banquet, and we, it, was a, it was a fundraiser for, uh, for um, world hunger. And so we, we set it up percentage-wise where looking at the percentages of, of the way people eat in the world, that's how we fed the people in the banquet. So some people, like just a couple of people, like had steaks. But most of the people had rice and some beans and some water, you know. And I, as a youth pastor, I thought that was really cool. And so did the kids. But this one guy who brought a friend and got rice and beans and water while somebody sitting not too far from him was eating steak and potatoes. This guy was hot. I'll never forget. I'm getting the feeling right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> he called me. And this is back when you had home phones. And 
And it wasn't what, what some call a walk-around phone. It was a phone that was hooked to the wall with a, with a little squiggly cord. But this is one of those long cords that was kind of a walk-around phone. And so I took that long cord, and I went and sat down the hall, and I listened to this guy waste me for this awful thing that I did. And I'm just, you know, I've been on the job probably for like three months. And I'm, you know, I'm saying, okay, well, I'm going to be looking for a new job and you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, I'm just listening to, you know, going after me. And in that conversation, he told me how much money he and his wife give to our church. And so I immediately think, okay, now I'm going to be responsible for the, our church not getting that anymore. And, I, and he finally, when he finished, and I, and I hung up and I didn't know what to do. I'm sitting there. And Sherry says, what's the matter? You know, I'm sitting on the floor just, oh, you know. And then the phone rings. And I said, oh, no. Here comes another one. And it was the pastor of the church. He says, hey, Dean, you know how much Don gives now? He got the same call. And he thought that by his level of giving... He had to have some say so. He had to get some respect. He had to have some kind of authority over what happens in this church. And I learned that day that I would never, ever know what anybody gives to any church I'm a part of. Not that it's not important. I'm talking to you this morning in the last three weeks about how important this is that we give. But with the right attitude. Not for, not for some sense of, of power or leverage or influence. And I want to tell you, not a single person in almost 25 years here at Midway Community Church has ever tried to influence me by telling me how much they give. And I praise God for that. And I want to tell you, if any of you do, I'll go like this. Because I'm not listening. Because that's not what giving is about. And as we've seen what giving is about, we finally look at this particular picture of giving and understand if you want to be like Jesus, and if you know Jesus, you do. And if that's not high priority for you, you need to continue to study the scripture and understand that is supposed to be your highest priority because that is God's highest priority for you. And you can't understand your life if you don't understand that. Your life is going to be very unsatisfying if you're not shooting for the same thing that the creator is shooting for. Because he's going to get his way. He has the power to do that. He has the love to do that. He has the knowledge to do that. And he is going to conform us into the image of his son. If we understand that that's what he's doing, then that helps us understand everything that's going on in our lives a lot better. still hard sometimes. But it helps us understand that a lot better. And so that needs to be our top priority as it is his top priority. And if he's conforming you to the image of his son, then like the Corinthians, we need to be givers like Jesus is. Sacrificial in our giving. Not holding back because it's going to cost us something. Giving that doesn't cost us anything is still nice, is still very helpful to the need of the, of the circumstance or the situation. For example, in a local church, it still helps pay the bills, it still helps pay the salaries, praise the Lord, and all those kind of things. But 
The sacrificial giving is the kind of giving that helps you become more and more like your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what our lives are really all about. That's why we do all the things that we do is because we're becoming more and more like Jesus. We're thinking more and more like Jesus because we're understanding him better. And we, and we're rec- we recognize how different his way of thinking is than the way of thinking of the, the world around us. And so the things that we do by default, just because that's the way it's done, we start looking at the scripture and we start seeing the way Jesus tells us to think. We say, wow, that's different. You know, if your unsaved friends knew how much you give, they would say, you're crazy. Now, if you're not giving, they wouldn't say you were crazy. They would say, well, I get that. I remember one guy on the, um, when I was still um, playing on the church basketball team, and I finally quit after my kids laughed at me just one too many times. Um, I remember taking a guy that was just, you know, just a, a casual attender of Midway, and um he was telling me about his giving and he, uh, he, he, he called it the tithe, all right, which he was referring to an old Testament concept called the tithe, which is a giving of, of 10% of your, of your income to the Lord's work, which was a, which was an old Testament standard in law, which many in the new Testament used as a beginning of their giving. But as Paul says here, that that's just a beginning when you, when you consider the giving of Jesus. But this guy said, you know, said, Dean, if you give a really good sermon, I might, I might give you 20 bucks for my tip, you know? So that was a motivator for me to get back to work. Um, but that, that was his, that was the way he, he was just kind of thinking of it like the world was, you know, if it's good, I'll give him, I'll give you more. And if it's not that good, you know, get to work, you know, get better at it. You know, like, like, you know, holding back a tip from a, from a server because they didn't serve you very well. You know, I'm only giving you, you know, 10% instead of, 11 or whatever the case might be, whatever kind of tipper you are. It's not like that. We see here from the scripture that Paul wanted the Corinthians to be generous in their giving, not only because of the influence they were having in other churches because of their generosity, but he wanted them to be generous in their giving because it was a manifestation, a demonstration of the fact that they were becoming more and more like their Savior. Because they knew the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew what Jesus had done for them on the cross, what he had done for them physically, what he had done for them spiritually. He says, that's now how we live, those of us who are believers in Jesus. That's the attitude that we have. And some of these Corinthians were giving so much that it was changing their status. They were, they were giving up stuff that, that in some cases took them out of the wealthy category down to the middle class. They were willing to do that. In a time period when, you know, we talk about craziness going on around us. I mean, in a worldwide kind of, known worldwide kind of famine, that is a tough time. And that's when this was happening. And they were still giving. And God was still, through the Apostle Paul, was still making his promises to him. 
don't be afraid to give. God's going to take care of you so you can keep giving. But Jesus is a giver. And so as his followers, as believers in him, we give because Jesus gives. We're his. We're being conformed, molded into the image of him. And part of that's through giving. And so let me encourage you. As the Apostle Paul encouraged the Corinthians, let me encourage you, not because we have a, a, a particular you know, need that we're trying to meet right now. We're always involved in meeting particular needs right now. Let me encourage you. Be a great giver. Be a great giver, not for influence. And not just for the reward that's going to come your way by giving. And that reward is going to be awesome. If you, if you weren't here last week to hear the parable of the Lord Jesus on that subject, listen to the, you know, to the, um, web, on the website. Go back and listen to that because that's talking about you. We don't just give because God's being praised by our giving all around the world. In Burundi, North Macedonia, through a recent trip that Sam Rob just got back from, to northern Ontario, to Quebec, to Haiti, and then through the International Mission Board, all the places around the world where our, our missionaries serve. Not just for the Lord to be praised through those places, but also as a demonstration of his work in our lives, of his conforming work in our lives, making us more and more like Jesus Christ. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you could even have this thought about us, that we could be like Jesus. Knowing us, knowing of our sinfulness, knowing of our rebellion against you, knowing of our selfishness, of our pride, of our sensual attitudes, knowing all those things about us, our greed, just our our meanness, knowing everything. You gave yourself. You left riches for poverty, even to death on the cross. You did it for us. So persecuted, so abused that you hardly even looked like a man when they were finished with you. The maker of men, marred to the point of not being recognizable. And you did that for us. knowing who and what we are and then seeing something because you know your power, you know your work that you could take gross, messed up sinners like us and every day make us a little bit more like Jesus. We thank you. 
And we thank you for that motivation to give. Not just to meet the need, but to make us more like Jesus. And we thank you for those in our lives who have given like that. Even some that we don't know yet that have given so much in the past in ways that brought us to a place where we would find out about you, where we would learn what it means to receive you, where we could grow in our faith. Even those who have given here at Midway Community Church to put us in position even for this morning. We thank you and we praise you. And we ask that you'd help us to be givers like that. Even when the going's tough, as Jesus did, that we would still give because we are his, because we follow him. Because we've said many times, yes to you. And we pray for those who are right now in the, in the midst of an internal debate. Should I put my trust in him? Father, I pray that you would give them the encouragement that only you can give them by your Holy Spirit, that yes, they should put their trust in you. Yes, they should give up whatever else they've been trusting in, whether it's their own good works or their family or their religion they would give up believing in those things and believe in Jesus as the only one who can forgive them, the only one who can give them eternal life, the only one who can make them like him. And it's in his name, the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.